It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Jennifer Lemke, CEO of Weedman, a network of locally owned and operated lawn care professionals providing environmentally responsible fertilization, weed control, and integrated pest management services. Jennifer first became involved with Weedman back in 1993 as a manager trainee in Ottawa, Canada. She worked in every position within the company, from marketing to administration to field technician, and she helped grow the franchise revenues from $200,000 to $2 million in five years. She is now responsible for supporting Weedman's 10 sub-franchisors and franchisees across the globe, covering over 727 territories within the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom, and representing over $200 million in system sales. Jennifer is mom to three children and takes pride in calling all Weedman franchisees and employees part of her extended family. Outside of work, she likes to travel, entertain, and if not on the move or socializing with her guests, you can find her on the golf course. Jennifer Lemke, welcome into the corner office. Thanks so much for having me, Brent. I really appreciate it. It's great to have you here. And I know you've been super busy. We're recording this during uh, uh, Women's, what's it called in Canada? Is it a little different up there? Is it Women's uh, Month or? History Month. Women History Month, right. And, And you've been very busy, I'm sure, with a lot of speaking engagements and podcasts and Great to have you here. But, you know, we kind of like to start and just hear how things are going, you know, with the pandemic. I know it's hit your business just like everyone else when we spoke a couple of weeks ago. How are you doing, your family and your colleagues at Weedman? Yeah, we're, I mean, you know what, the, I think the the pandemic, once the initial uh, shock about a year ago uh, came through and kind of got organized and, you know, you hear a lot of people had, or companies had to pivot and we certainly were the same thing, not very, very unsure on what was going to happen. And, you know, in the end, I think um, with everybody kind of migrating and working from home and um, home services really has been uh, very well uh, represented. Like it, it's unreal how many more, you know, oftentimes when our, our technicians visit lawns, uh, they don't see anybody, you know, we're a home yeah, service, yeah. they book us, you know, we don't see anybody. And, and it's funny because now we see everyone <laughs> and, and it seems like everyone wants to talk to us. So, and they're, oh, you know, cool. referring friends and referring family. So it's, That's you know, awesome. last year was a great year uh, for us. 
Um, so, you know, you go from such uncertainty till the end of the year and, and things kind of resolve themselves. So we are doing well. I, uh, I have, um, I have three children and they're, they all live away. So one of them is in Houston, Texas. The other one is in Slovakia and oh the God. other one's in, uh, Kelowna. So personally, it's wow. been tough not seeing my kids. Yeah. 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 There's been so many that have flocked home. Well, you know, it's an interesting story about, uh, how many folks have been socially interacted. You know, we're all starved for attention, right? You know, we all miss the social interaction. So what a great, what a great way for, uh, Weedman can, to connect and your technicians to connect with all the people out there. Well, I'm, I'm glad that the business has done well. We always kind of always like to start as well with the the early years. You know, I know you've been pretty much your entire career at Dude Man, and we'll get to that in a minute. But tell us what it was like growing up. You know, what your early family life was like. Where was that? And siblings, parents, etc. Yeah. Um, so my mom and dad had me at a very young age. They were 19 years old, um, and uh, honestly, our first. Um, when we first, well, when they first got started, it, uh, it was tough. My dad, yeah. uh, went to school, you know, all day and, uh, worked all night. Uh, so it wow. was, um, it was very meager beginnings. And where was that, uh, Jennifer? In Ottawa, in Ottawa. Uh, oh. Ontario, that's our nation's capital here in Canada. Yeah. So mm -hmm. grew up, um, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really know anything different, money or, right. or, or no money. Um, you know, love was there. And I was an only child uh, for 15 years. And then wow. my, my parents yeah. decided to have uh, another one, my brother. So there's quite an age difference. And it's really, truly, yeah. we, we did grow up apart and as uh single children uh at the time so right, right. it was um you know it was good it was well you kind of grew up with your parents in that regard too though right in the young age yeah yeah did mom work from the home or did she also have a career she she did uh she worked at the government uh here in canada government of canada right. and then transitioned over to bell canada and worked there for many years and supported my dad while he went to school and then started yeah. his career up with union carbide Okay. Uh, we, we were living in Toronto at the time. Uh, we, tra we traveled actually quite a bit. Now that I think about it, we went from Ottawa to Winnipeg, uh, from Winnipeg to Niagara Falls, then Niagara Falls to Toronto, and then back to Ottawa. So did travel a lot through my youth. And I guess it that kind of helped me be very adaptable. Uh, there was periods of time where we moved almost yearly and then, yeah. um, and then we kind of settled in in Toronto for a while and then, uh, to Ottawa. So were you kind of following, following dad's career? Was that where the moves related to? Yeah. yeah was he an engineer or, or marketing sales? He was an, a chemical engineer and yeah. And we were in, in Toronto and, um, I know he came home one day and said, you know, I really would like to go into business for myself. So we spent a lot of family vacations driving around, uh, looking at different opportunities. And, you know, we looked at retail, looked at uh, the food industry, and um, we settled in on, on Weed Man. Our neighbor owned a Weed Man franchise. And that's, okay, that's what yeah. uh, prompted my dad to, um, to join Weed Man. And we actually, uh, he bought our first franchise in Hall, Quebec. Wow. And, um, was able to, uh, you know, back then when we first started in Weedman, we were one of the first franchises in 
Quebec, which is predominantly French speaking. So, you know, we didn't have any brand recognition. We actually had negative brand recognition because we had to explain to everybody what we did. So, and, and, and let's just take a quick pause, Jennifer. Maybe we can explain that too, because I know some people may be thinking Weed Man is something very different than what it actually is. <laughs> so give us a little overview of the company. Yeah. So Weed Man is a, a lawn care company. We are in uh, mainly in Canada and the US. We do have three franchises in the, in the UK. So Weed Man, we do um, primarily fertilizer we control. So we are a lawn care uh, service and not necessarily uh, what you might think it is as we man. Um, and, and believe me when I say we do get mistaken sometimes as the other. Uh, so we're always, we're always explaining. I think uh, a lot of our traffic to our website actually could be uh, people looking for, for other things, but uh, it, it is, we are a lawn care. We're actually the second largest lawn care company in the world. Um, wow. Second wow. to true green, which I'm sure yeah. everybody's familiar with. So we do the exact same services as, as a true green uh, does. And um, we're solidly in second place. And well, you got started in the industry very young then. So how old were you when, when dad got the franchise? I was 16. So your little brother had just been born. That's right. And, uh, you know, wow. So, so you got introduced to that very early. And, and how was your school days? I mean, it sounded like some moving around and so forth. Did you switch a lot of schools growing up and secondary school and, how did that impact your studies, if any? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I think I was an okay student uh, when I was interested and liked uh, teachers. The and, class, right. Yeah, like the class or the subject. Um, I was much better then, but I can't say I was uh, a, an A student all the way through. I was uh, definitely had a few Bs and, and maybe even some Cs in there occasionally. <laughs> Were there sports you pursued or other outside interests beyond school that were, were more of maybe continuity as you move from place to place? Uh, you know what? I played on different school sports, mainly basketball yeah. and volleyball, but nothing really. I, you know, I played some squash as well, but nothing really solid. As soon as I could, I started to work. And that yeah, was kind of like my it. my right. thing. Uh, didn't work in the business, had different odd jobs and uh, just wanted to make money from a very young age. What were some of those entrepreneurial pursuits? Uh, you know, the usual, uh, when you're not quite of age to start, uh, did some babysitting, uh, right. did crafts and would sell crafts with my best friend. And uh, just always was looking for different ways to, to make money. And then eventually uh, they allowed you here in Canada to start working before you reached 16. So I started, I think I was 14 and I started stocking shelves right, right away. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. and then went into the retail space and then eventually ended up waitressing and then actually worked at the university of Ottawa where I went to university. So yeah. that was, that was good. Now you studied political science. Um, did, were you living in the Ottawa area when you decided to go there or, or did, did you go there from Toronto? No, no, we were living in the, we had moved back to where we were from uh, when we bought the Hall, Hall Quebec, when, where our first franchise was. It was just across from the nation's capital. So that's Ottawa. Yeah. And so political science, tell us about that. Was that your uh, kind of chosen field or did you just kind of have an interest in it at that time? Yeah, I had 
an interest. Uh, you know, it was either that or do a general arts. So it was more on the social sciences side. It opened up a little bit more. And, you know, when I first started, I wasn't sure if I was maybe pursue being a lawyer or a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that I was a little bit more passionate uh, teaching and, and being around people and training others. And I, I learned that when I was working at the University of Ottawa and, and some of my other positions that I've held throughout uh, my time. And um, it was interesting. That was kind of what I thought I would do, go through political science and then uh, go to teacher's college. And and then that's when my dad approached my husband and I, uh, at the time, my fiance, and said, you know, would you be interested in joining Weedman? And that's when we decided to come on full time. Prior to that, I would do odd jobs for my dad, mall shows, telemarketing, that kind of thing. But really on a full-time basis, I guess it was in 92 when I joined uh, Weedman. And so you joined his franchise or did you purchase another one? What, What did that look like at that time? I started in his franchise to do my first year of training, and that gave us uh, an opportunity to find some franchises that were for sale. And it just so happened the Ottawa franchise became for sale. We bought that, uh, an existing franchise. It was about 250000 in sales. And then Chris and I took that over and built that to $2 million in, in six years. So that was you know, a time where we were growing very, very fast and, and developing systems uh, for the franchise. Um, and then we approached Des, I guess, in 90, uh, nine, we started in 92. It was in 95, end of 95, we approached Des. Um, we had bought in quite a few franchises across Canada. So we actually yeah. became Des's first uh, large multi-unit franchisee. So yeah, we Des actually started. Founder, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. He was the founder. And when we approached him, we approached him to buy the master rights for the United States. Right. And that's where we kind of went into the franchising side of the business. And with the experience that I gained through my operational experience. So, you know, if I look back during that time, I was a technician. I worked in the office. I, I did every position you yeah. can imagine in the company. So it really gave me a unique perspective when we bought the master rights for the U.S. and started franchising Weedman in the U.S., I was brought over to that side of the company and Mm -hmm. was able to really get a sense of what our franchisees were going through. So it was, it was good. It was a, a really good experience that I had through operations that allowed me to help the U.S. grow the way it has. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so I I know that when you're, you'd mentioned earlier when your dad actually took up the franchise, that was the last thing you wanted to do. What, what kind of flipped for you? Because you you got pretty much involved right outside of, what was it your first job after college? Did you go right into it or was there something in between before you actually joined dad? Yeah, I, um, I, like I said before, I always had jobs and I worked a lot of different jobs, um, And actually, I stayed at a lot for long periods of time. So I um, I ended up I was working probably two or three jobs while I was going to university. And uh, one of the a restaurant that I was working at, I was a waitress, shut down. So um, I went into the university and just walked into the first kind of doors that I saw and said, "Hey, you know, would 
are you hiring right now? And they said, well, no, not really. And I said, hey, I will do anything. I'll take any hours that you can if you have filing. And they said, okay, we'll, we'll hire you. And it was probably one of the best things I did. I ended up working at the University of Ottawa and they actually paid for my last two years of university. Oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Yeah. So I worked for, uh, in the telecommunications department where we would, um, they had remote learning centers. So we'd have a professor at the university and they would, um, uh, broadcast out their, courses out to very, very northern remote uh, areas in Canada. So I would be charged in making sure that the uh, center offsite was properly um, wired and they had right. electronic chalkboards and, and all kinds of different things that you had to make sure was set up. And then I would make sure that our rooms were set up at the university and then we'd have professors come in and do their course live in front of students at the university, but then that would also be broadcast simultaneously to these remote centers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did, I, I ended up, that's where I ended up going from filing to, to that. And that was, that was a really good experience for me, uh, working on the outside of the business, mm-hmm. uh, having a boss that was, you know, different than my dad <laughs> and, uh, learning, um, you know, learning about office politics and the, 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 what people are looking for and, and just experience that. In fact, my daughter now has joined the, the company with her, her husband, um, and I wanted that first. I wanted her to go out yes. to the real world and experience that. Um, so that was something that I had learned and I've kind of brought up now, even with my kids that are looking to maybe join the, the business. I'm like, no, go and find yourself. Yeah, Make right, sure this is right. what you want. Yeah, very clear. No, that's terrific. And so um, did you continue with uh, employment at the University of Ottawa after graduation or was it pretty much soon thereafter went into Weedman? No, after graduation. And, and you know, what brought me back to my dad was, you know, like I said earlier, we had grown up you know, fairly, uh, when I was young, we were you know, I wouldn't say poor, but we certainly weren't rich. And we kind of, um, you know, and then he built this career at Union Carbide and, and did very, very well there. And then, you know, decided to go back into to lawn care. And I was very um, unsure about all of that. I didn't really know if that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So, of course, go to university, work at the university. And then all of a sudden, I start seeing my dad. He's accumulating wealth, you know, he's getting new cars, a brand new house. And it's like, huh, maybe there's a little bit more to lawn care. Yeah. Let me take a closer look at that. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he approached Chris and I and Chris, my husband, um, both his entrepreneur, uh, parents were entrepreneurs and it just, it felt right at the time. His, his dad was in construction, his mom was in real estate and he understood what it, look like he he grew up in that atmosphere so for him he was like yeah let's let's do this and um so we joined you know not right after university but shortly thereafter and me with political science and and chris with a criminology degree uh, nothing to do with lawn care but qualifications for lawn care that's right (laughs) that's right so yeah it was it was it's been great and you know chris and i have worked together now for 27 28 years uh together and 
you know, that, that brings challenges in itself, uh, working with your spouse for that long. And then, uh, certainly working for my dad brings a whole new dynamic, uh, to the equation. Is he retired from the business now? Yeah, he retired, uh, get this, uh, right at the beginning of, uh, 2020. So he oh retires God. and then COVID hits. <laughs> yeah, good timing. Good yeah. timing. Cash, cash out at the top. My yeah, life. right. So he, uh, but he's been there all the way through yeah. all of this yeah. and, and very involved. Even though he's retired, I, I don't think he'll ever truly retire. And, and I, and I'm so happy that he's not because yeah. he has been my mentor through all mentor, of this helper. and, been yeah. awesome. Awesome. What was the first time you started managing people, Jennifer? I would say when I went to uh, my first year in Ottawa, when we took mm-hmm. over the the franchise, um, yeah. you know, one of the things that, that I loved, I can remember my dad asked me, like, what is something that you'd love to do when I was in university? I said, you know, I really love to teach. I, I feel like that's kind of my space. I had a few opportunities. I like working with people and, so when I joined Weedman and started to manage people, one of my first things you have to do is you have to hire staff and you have to right. train them, right? And it was like, yeah. oh my goodness, I get to do what I love to do every single day being a small mm. business owner. So for me, um, I, it, I, I don't know, it just felt so right. I, I think now that I look back at my career within Weedman, that's probably has been my favorite thing was uh, working with people and I guess it might sound cliche, but helping them make them the best that they can be. And to do that, you need to, to manage them. And and when I say manage them, it's more coaching, you know, being a, a coach and walking alongside them. So for me, that's always been my style. I don't ever think that I'm the boss. I kind of think that I'm a coach and I just have some incredible players on my team and I get to direct and and help alongside them and and play play in the game with them. Now you mentioned earlier De- Des. What's his full name? Des uh, Rice. Okay. And uh, you got to know him, him or her, him, I assume, right? Okay. As, as, Right. As you, uh, as you develop the franchise business, how, how did that kind of transition work? Is he still involved with the business? Did you, you know, kind of eventually come up alongside him or buy him out or, you know, what, what was the transition there and when did that take place? Yeah. So, um, you know, unfortunately Des passed away a, f- oh, a few years back and yeah. his wife though was involved in the business. You know, when I say Des was the founder, it was really Des and Brenda Rice were the the right. founders and when Des passed away, Brenda took over and she had her CEO, Mike Kernigan. And a few years back, she approached my dad and said, you know what, I'm, I'm approaching 70 years old and I'd like to, to retire. Have you ever considered, you know, taking over and, and buying me out and owning the worldwide rights to, to Weedman? And, you know, at the time it kind of made sense we were uh, a brand in Canada and we were a brand in the U S although the same brand, we were a different brand. We were at different evolutions. Um, and you can imagine they had a website and we had a website, they Mm. had different tools and we had different tools. So it, it made sense because for us to be a, uh, 
you know, we needed to behave like a $200 million company. And by being segregated the way we were, it was kind of a natural evolution for uh, Weedman to, to kind of come together. So Brenda is still a shareholder in the, <clears throat> in our company. And, you know, my dad has been a master of creating win-win situations for people. So I think we were able to achieve that with uh, the acquisition. And, and so I have, you know, transition and, and our team here at Turf Holdings um, help transition and bring all the Weedman Canadian dealers on to, and, and now we manage everyone together. And now we're one awesome. brand and, and it's yeah. been, it's been great. When did that process start you? Uh, November two, uh, no, I guess it was December 1st, 2018. 2018. Yeah. So not too long ago. And, and is the process still ongoing or were you able to complete that in a year or so? It is. Um, our first year <laughs> for the first few months, I, um, I did a lot of listening. So, you know, just to kind of step back in the U S we really developed a lot of business tools and, and really, you know, develop these tools growing Weedman USA. So when we came over to Canada, you know, as I said before, we had franchises that we also owned uh, as part. So we were a franchisee in Canada and the franchisor in in the U.S. So a lot of the systems came from what I'll call our corporate offices that we applied to the U.S. And then, you know, the natural separation started to happen. They were doing their thing. We were doing different things in, in the U.S., um, we had different products that were available to us, which allowed us um, to do more things creatively with different products and programs in the U.S. than we could in Canada. So when we came back into Canada, the first few months, I just really, to do it right, I had to go, my husband and I, Chris and I, we went out on the road and we visited all of our franchisees. You know, I wouldn't say all of them, but 80% of them. And so we developed these systems and there's a lot of our franchisees that were really gung-ho to learn the system. So all those early adopters, we we said, we'll come to head office and we'll work with you. We'll roll out all of the systems that you may not be used to using in your business. We'll train you on them. We'll spend, you know, seven, eight days together and just really kind of dive in. And then I would say a lot of other franchises were like, you know, we just want to kind of wait and see you guys are the big corporate people coming in, which we're not, right. but that was right. the, right. the that feeling. Was perception. Right, yeah. right. And just getting and sitting at their kitchen table or in their office and finding out what they wanted, you know, and saying, yeah. okay, well, that's, that's awesome here. Let us take these few systems that we'll be able to help you immediately until you feel comfortable. And, and what we found is um, quite a few franchises, you know, Weedman has been a very, we're a family uh, business. So a lot of couples own a franchise. I was going to ask you about that, you know, because you mentioned you and Chris, I'm sure your mom was involved and then even the founder. So is it, is it kind of a couples thing? Is that fairly frequent? It is. Um, and you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of kids getting involved in yeah, the business yeah. coming up through. So you know, mom and dad are buying a business and, and then the kids are coming through and their mom and dad are looking to retire because, you know, we're a 50 year brand. So we're seeing since we transition, we're seeing a lot of that being handed over uh, to the kids and leaving a legacy and, and kind of now, you know, adopting a lot of these new systems with, 
the younger generation. So it's been awesome to see this type of transition happen. Cool. Really impacting people's lives. Well, you've been doing this for for close to 30 years now, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> how would you say your your leadership or, or really your mentorship, because you do so much of that with your franchisees, how has that evolved over time? Yeah. You know, when I first started uh, with Weedman, you know, it was starting small and learning all of the systems, which I think really gave me the confidence to then move into um, to into the U.S. marketplace uh, and helping other franchisees. And, and the way we did it, we actually brought partners involved. We call them our sub-franchisers. So we, lo- we sold large geographical areas to individuals that were actually in the industry or, you know, either converted their existing business to Weedman or had sold out um, to True Green and, uh, you know, waited for their non-compete to be done and then got back into the industry. So these sub-franchisers bought these large geographic areas right. and um, and they became part of our group. So every decision that was made, we did it as a group. You know, it wasn't just head office and they had a lot of input. They were uh, actually running their own weed man office. They were selling franchises to in their geographical area and supporting those franchisees. So, you know, you go from owning your own business and, and yes, yeah. my dad was the CEO, but you were pretty much allowed to make the decisions. And if, you know, whatever decision you made, your employees have to follow. Right. Um, That's right. And then you go to um, another level and now I'm in a space where I have to um, now convince people <laughs> I'm not yeah. you know I don't own all these franchises so That's you've right. got to you've got to evolve really influencing isn't it right yeah. right so it wasn't you know it's different when you own your own business and you make all the decisions and you have a, a team and a staff as you know staff you can say, this is what we're going to do. In my case, I'm like, this is... And you're lucky if that gets executed. Yeah, right. (laughs) And and this is, you know, so now I have to say, okay, well, this is what I think we're going to do. Who's with me? (laughs) Raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand and let's do this. So, yeah. yeah, so you learn... You learn to have to sell your ideas. So that, you know, that's how I think... I, I had to learn at a young, well, young age, I guess I wasn't that young when I moved over, but it was kind of like, it was a real change for me and it made me a better leader because they don't have to follow you. That's you know? right. They don't, right. So you have to be innovative on how you introduce things. You have to, you have to listen a lot and you have to look at the data uh, to show people, you know, you got some people that'll, they trust you, so they're going to follow you. But then there's other people, it's okay, you know what, bring me the data, I need to see it. So right, sure. it makes me look at issues and things really differently from all mm-hmm. angles, because I know there's, you know, we have a group of very unique gentlemen, my dad included, and he's probably the toughest one of all to convince uh, so you're you're almost negotiating all yeah, the time sure. with sure. people. So, and and both parties have the have the ability to walk at any point in time. But you go through, I'm sure, a fairly arduous process in determining who your franchise partners are. Right. So you, know, you don't necessarily want to separate too soon if they've got opposing ideas. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And, and on that, you know, on a follow-up, I mean, you know, it, 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 hard enough to get people to take direction. It's, it's even harder in a, in a, you know, a company culture standpoint to, you know, keep that propagated, keep that company culture going when you have employees. I can imagine it's even a lot tougher, you know, in a franchisee relationship. But how do you do that? You know, are there ways in which you, um, you know, help communicate that culture and, 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 you know, get that culture, keep that culture fresh, I guess, with your, with your network? And again, how many total franchisees in Canada and in the U.S. you've got to have, was it in the hundreds or, or more in the dozens at this stage? Yeah, we have in, in the U.S. 213 and wow. 97 in, in Canada and then three in the U.K. And then they have employees on top of that. So we were probably talking to several thousand employees. So yeah, how do you, how do, you do that? How, how does the culture, you know, keep fresh and, and uh, vibrant? Um, yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, for, for me, um, and, you know, it starts with my dad. My dad and I together is creating a culture of winning and yeah. growth, um, you know, and and that was probably a hard transition for some of my uh, some of the Canadian franchisees. Um, we have always been very very laser focused on the franchisee's success, and right. we understand that if they're successful, they're growing, they're creating opportunities for their employees, they're happy. It means they're That's making right. money and they're getting off of the front lines because they've grown to a size. Um, that they're able to hire people and put people in management and they don't have to be there all the time, you know, as some small business owners do. So being very laser focused on their success, I knew eventually our success would come. Uh, so that has been, I, th I think, honestly, the secret to our success. There's nobody in the system that could say that I'm not wanting the best for them. You know, I want them yeah. to grow. And, and it's, it's funny because when we went, we came into Canada, the Can Canadian marketplace is, is a lot more mature. You know, it, it has a 50 year history where in right. the U S it's a, a 25 year history. So it's, right. it's different. Whereas in Canada, they're established. We have a lot of markets that, you know, they feel that they have incredible uh, market penetration and they do, and they have incredible retention rates. So it's kind of like, eh, why do I want to grow? And, you know, mm -hmm. but then the same people are asking themselves why they can't retain employees or, you know, why are people leaving them after 10 years? And it's because if you can't provide a career path for A players, yeah. They're going to go elsewhere. Right. Just like anywhere else. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why, you know, we're looking at different brands. We're looking, uh, we introduced Mosquito Hero as a kind of a sub brand to Weedman uh, so that they can grow that side of the business. It makes sense. We're there. We can, it's some of the same products uh, that we're using. So adding that, we're looking at, you know, robotic lawn mowing. We're looking at adding tree and shrub services to the portfolio. So really expanding um, our our services, encouraging top end growth and, and clearly bottom end as well. Uh, sorry, bottom line. So that has, I think, been a real key to our success, just being really laser focused on the franchisee's success and then everything else kind of falls in place. So on the other end of it, 
what do you look for when you're making bets on the franchisees? You know, you want to invest in and, and bring in the team. Yeah. We've been really blessed. I mean, certainly we've had a few franchisees that things didn't work out, but by and large, we have had some great, great franchisees. And, you know, now with the success that we've experienced, um, you know, if somebody's not happy, we just, okay, let's, let's figure out how we're going to sell your business. And somebody else in the network is going to buy. There's, you know, there's not a, a franchise that comes up for sale that doesn't get bought out. So it's, you know, when you, you can't argue with success and, and that's when, you know, somebody comes to us and is unhappy, then, you know, we can help them transition and say, Hey, it makes sense. It's just not for you. And and that's fine. So, you know, and your question, who do we look for? Yeah. Yeah. What are your criteria? You know, it's hard. It's hard. You know, you spend a lot of time at the front end before they sign on the dotted line and you try and lay everything out. It's not easy. Um, we do not advertise ourselves as a turnkey operation. It's a lot of hard work. Um, there's nothing that's going to come easy in, in the, um, in this equation or in our relationship, but we know how to make people successful in this space. And, um, so, you know, we've had a lot of people in our industry, let's say landscapers that weren't offering lawn care, the fertilizing weed control. And we were just kind of a perfect fit for them because they wanted to add it to their portfolio. So that was, you know, we really focused on that as as when we came out of the gate in the U S but, but like, how does somebody like your dad get evaluated, right? He's a union carbide employee, right? He's, he's obviously, you know, professional, he's an engineer. I mean, it's hard, right? I, I would think as a master franchisee or, or an owner in your case to look at someone and say, okay, so what do you, why do you think you can be successful in this business? <laughs> right? <laughs> I think you, you want to look, it's a great question. And, you know, there's all these profiling that you can do, but in the end, if you've got someone that likes people um, that likes having staff uh, because there are people out there that don't want to have employees. Uh, so right. you want to stay away from those people. So you, you need people that like people and that, well, for us, that it's not beneath them to be a lawn care operator. You know, you got to feel proud to be able to set a, a barbecue with your neighbors and say, I have a small business or I have a, a growing large business, a multi-million dollar business, and I fertilize and, and apply weed control to people's lawns. I beautify their green space and make their home value go up. So if that makes you proud, then yeah. it's something that you should be looking at um, because we're a bit of a hidden gem in our industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, as you said, uh, you know, in the beginning with, with so many more people spending time at home, working from home, and I don't know about you, but I don't think that's going to change a lot. You know, I think people will come back to the office, but I think a lot of folks have really enjoyed, you know, kind of the working remotely productivity certainly been higher for a lot. And, you know, you want your environment to continue to look good, right? (laughs) So you care more about what the outside looks like over time. Yeah. And I think people are traveling less. And like you said, just spending more money on their homes because they're staying at home and working from home. Well, Jennifer, you've been very, very uh, 
generous with your time. Thank you. We're, we've always asked one last question to all our guests, and that's, you know, what kind of career and life advice would you give to someone who, you know, maybe has their eyes on a franchisee, right, or a franchise model, or maybe become, you know, an owner of that, and, and you know, maybe in a corporate career today or what have you. Um, you know, I know that your, your dad probably went through that, and you went through that as well, you know, with, with all the various things. What, what does it take to be successful? And, and if, if some of our listeners were thinking about either becoming a franchisee or a master franchisor, you know, what would you tell them? You know, if you are looking at franchising, um, I think being very aware of, you know, there's so many segments, so many segments, so many areas you can go out into. And, and for us, we're looking for people that are passionate about people. That's the the number one thing. The, the second thing you know, you want to make sure that you can make money at doing what you're, you're going to be doing. And, um, you know, and that, the, what we tell any candidate that's looking at the opportunity, the biggest part of the whole process is we're going to be business partners. So you, you have to trust us and we're going to earn that trust through this process. But you need to make sure you feel comfortable following direction in this relationship or partnership. And the only thing that we tell people is go out and call our franchisees, call any one of them and, and see what the relationship looks like. And if you feel comfortable with that, and then, you know, I'm coming from experience within our brand, but I would say that would go beyond any other brand. I would also recommend to look for opportunities that are recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. um, for us, that's one of the things that we bring to the table. Uh, every January 1st, you don't start from zero customers, you know, 80, 85% of your customers renew year after year. Uh, so the recurring revenue model is, is a strong, strong model and look for a franchisor that's focused on you, your success. And, and those are the questions you should be asking as you do due diligence. Uh, to other franchisees. Well, Jennifer Lemke, Chief Executive Officer at Weedman, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thanks, Brant. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.